thank you so much for joining us on what is the final edition of Tifosi Football Radio for the 2021 year. My name is Christian Baldanzi-Dittacchio. And this is Giuliano Clary. And it is Thursday, December the 23rd. Once again, thanks so much for joining us. For a third episode in a row, we got Nick Cottis with us. Nick, thank you once again for coming on. Uh, it's a very good way to close out the year, guys. All right. Well, we love the debate. So... Uh, here's what we got for you today uh, for all of our listeners. We're going to recap Match Day 19. It's in the books. City A is on Christmas break till January the 6th, uh, in which they will have two crazy back-to-back games on the 6th and the 9th of January. Uh, so there's going to be a little bit of a hiatus there. And let's start with Match Day 19. So obviously Udinese being awarded the 3-0 victory over Salernitana because they couldn't travel due to COVID restrictions. No surprise there. Salernitana is in the friggin' basement. They're gone. See you later. I don't think we're going to see them in the new year. Uh, so we're not even going to talk about it. Uh, but with that being said, let's talk about the first real game of Match Day 19. And that was Genoa holding Atalanta to a 0-0 draw. Huge, huge, huge point for Genoa. Atalanta would be... Should be extremely disappointed in this game. What did you guys think of this game? Well, I, they 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 completely crapped the bat. I mean, you go and you lose four to one to Roma, and now you're playing a relegation side Genoa. This should be where you make your uh, where you bounce back. This is this should be an easy bounce back. This is where you go, you win, you feel good. But it didn't happen, and I this will be a turning point, uh, a negative turning point for Atalanta. You'll see. Yeah, big time. Uh, Giuliano, is this a fluke for Genoa, or is this uh, is are they buying into the Shevchenko system? No, this is 100% a fluke. It was a terrible game by them. Uh, barely got out of their end. One shot all game, nothing on target, of course. Uh, weren't a threat at all. They were embarrassing as a team still under Shevchenko, uh, regardless of if, if it's Atalanta or not. Atalanta just didn't have the finishing on their side this game. Sirigu finally played a good game. I rated him the worst goal in the league, and then he goes, has a game like this. I know. It's <laughs> so, uh, um, crazy. But, at, yeah, Atalanta more so drew this game than Genoa deserving it because they were all over them. But Genoa are showing signs of a relegation team because this is uh, – Regardless of it being a good result, because it is against Atalanta, it's still they're not going to beat anybody playing like this. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, no, like no shots on net. Not even one. Well, there was another team that didn't have any shots on net, and they uh, somehow won the game. So uh, we'll talk about <laughs> that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, you know, if you're a Roma fan, when you saw this the first day before Roma played, you were very happy. Uh, yeah. You're licking your lips. It was euphoria, but uh, we'll talk about oh, them yeah. a little bit later too. Uh, but Atalanta, very disappointing. One, no momentum at all now. You've been bumped out of Champions League. Uh, you lost to Roma 4-1, to one, and now you tied Genoa, who's sitting in the relegation zone. So what a horrible December it's been for Atalanta. And if you're an Atalanta fan, uh, you know, you Is this you just a blip that... for them, you think? What's that? Is this just a blip for them or no? Well, as we talk, we talk about this all the time. Every team has a dip uh, in every season, and this is Atalanta's dip. Can they come out in the new year and uh, can they come out in the new year and uh, hit the ground running? I don't know. They're going to have to. And if Gasparini wants to keep his job, I think Atalanta has to get out of this dip real fast. Um, well, I mean, we, we, we talked about, uh, I think you talked about uh, Pioli and his uh, his tenor at AC Milan. Do you think, uh, is this the farthest Gasparini can take him? Oh, 100%. 100%. Nah. I, think, so. I think Atalanta is, is going to have, um, I think Atalanta, I said it, I think two, po- two podcast episodes ago where the trophies and the cards for them. And I still do think the trophies and the cards with them. I think... Just with the way it is, obviously they're out of the Scudetto contention now, in my opinion. Um, after after these past two games, and it's it's if they're going to get a trophy this year, they're, it's going to be the Europa League, and they're going to have to focus and put all their 
all their attention on that as well as trying to finish top four. So that's my opinion of it. I mean, their next two games coming out of the Christmas break are against Torino and Udinese. So they're not gimme games for Atalanta, but they're but they're they're by no means uh they're, they're yeah they're not gimme games and they're going to be very difficult but these are two games that Atalanta is capable of winning and if they can come out of the Christmas break and win these two games on the trot then I think they'll be okay uh let's go yeah, to the next at, game at the end of the day I think they can you hear me yeah I can hear you hello at the end of the day I think they're going to finish hello we can hear you yeah, at the end of the day, I think they're just going to finish in that fourth, fifth, sixth spot. That's where they're going to be fighting all season. I don't see them get in top three. I think this is their, uh, this is it for them in regards yeah. to how high they're going to get in the table, maybe. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. So, with that being said, let's move on to the next game. Another scoreline even called on this episode, of last episode for this score. 2 nothing Juve win over Cagliari. Guys, routine, 2 nothing, Win, go in, job done, see you later. Cagliari is just an absolute mess. Uh, Walter Mazzari, my God, this guy cannot come back after the Christmas break. Um, it's, it, 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 they, you know what the, cra- he, the crazy thing is? He thinks uh, they played good enough to win the game. Well, you know, <laughs> well, when you have Nick's favorite goalkeeper, when you have Nick's favorite goalkeeper, Alessio Cragno in that, I think anything's possible, right? Who, That's by right. Way, who, by the way, had another horrible game. Uh, well, you know, he doesn't well, exactly Vica- uh, get Vicario. backed up. <laughs> well, Vicario didn't hold his own either. No, eh? he didn't. But uh, <laughs> Cranio basically lived up to expectations, in my opinion here. And even with five guys in front of him, he looked like trash. Um, but anyways, yeah. I mean, what, what, what can we say here, guys? I mean, uh, the attack for Juventus looked like a makeshift attack. I mean, Bernardeschi... Is just he's been playing. I think he's been playing some of his best calcio under Allegri, um, and uh, the guy's in the middle of contract negotiations. He fired Mino Raiola, so he's got a new agent. So this guy's basically out there to get more money, or he's going to walk to another club. So I don't know. Does this does this farewell for him? Like, is this is. He's just well, he's firing on all cylinders right now, is he not? Well, where, wherever he would go would have to be uh, at his age, and what he's asking for would have to be uh, at the level of Juve or greater. I wouldn't see him uh, go down a level in terms of like a club team. So he's he's got a lot of pondering to do. What do you what do you think, Jules? I want to get your thoughts on this. Is Bernardeschi actually a decent player, or is he just he's on a garbage? He's on a, he's on a I wouldn't say a garbage Juve, but he's just on a Juventus that's not as good. No, I think he's a good, useful player. I don't think he's this world-beater, world-class player, but I think he's a very useful squad player. He has a role to play in this team. Uh, he works hard. He does a, He could do an amazing job on the left. I think you want to keep him away from having to play on the right, cut in, that kind of game. You don't want him on the ball too much. I would just... If I'm Juve, keep using him as a as a left winger, left midfielder. That's his role. That's what he's good at. Get the ball, run hard, cross the ball in the box, yeah. take shots from distance. That's it. Yeah. Those are his strengths. And if Juve, whoever the managers can utilize that, I think he he's not going to cost a lot of money. No. Nope. I mean, if they start, if he starts asking for crazy amount of money, then of course you don't re-sign him. But if he's you know going for a reasonable amount, you keep him. I think he's a a solid player to have in a team that's looking to win stuff. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Uh, another player that had a pretty decent game that hasn't shown up all season is, I know we know it's against Kennedy, is Arthur. And this is a guy that's rumored to be gone in January from Juventus, get off the books. Um, I mean, do we see this guy? Is, has Arthur played his final game for Juve? Yes or no? I think so. I think he'll be, uh, I'll think he'll be let go. In uh, January, just because of what it's costing Juve to keep him in the squad. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's gone too. I think this is going to be his last hurrah with Juve, and this will be his last time we see him in colors, or the Juve colors. At least he goes out with a bang. Yeah, Allegri doesn't like these 
his style of player. He, you know, he gave Pirlo a hard time at Milan, and then when he came back to Juve, they kind of butt heads in regards to how Pirlo should operate in the team. Uh, same thing, Artur is very similar. He doesn't play the long balls of Pirlo. He doesn't have the vision Pirlo has. But that's not Allegri's style of midfielder. So I think Artur, I, I, he's a talented player. He can be. He gives maybe the ball away a little bit too much in the back end of the field. But there is something there. But I don't think Allegri is the right man to uh, to raise his game. So I think it, the smart decision would be to let him go. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, is there anything to say about Cagliari? Or is it just... Just another train wreck. I think. I think uh, definitely a train wreck. I think it's. I. I think. Uh, I think it's done for them. There's no coming back from this. So Juve, it's a huge two nothing win for them. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, I didn't see this one coming, guys. I don't know about you, but Bologna just completely thrashing Sassuolo three nil here. Uh, every time we write off Bologna, they come out and they pull a performance like this. Uh, what did you guys think of this game? Yeah, they played good. You got to give them that. Hickey and Orsellini, the goals were just ridiculous. Uh, and uh, Sassuolo just couldn't bear the chances. They created a ton of chances. Skamaka played a half-decent game even too. Raspadori played a decent game, but they just... Yeah, they just couldn't uh, finish it. It was a one-off game. Bologna played good. I don't think they'd get a repeat result of 3-0 if they were to play that match 10 times over. I think they were just fortunate for the, for the goals they scored, to be honest, two of the three, so... Not to take anything away from the performance, but those goals like that you don't score every weekend, no, <laughs> and that's more so why they won. Yeah, and right? it's going to be the consistency that uh, ultimately I believe gets uh, Bologna further uh, down the table uh, in the new year, and I have a feeling that's what it's going to be. Uh, like Jules says, I mean, you're not going to get these kinds of goals and results on a regular basis. And uh, it's going to end up, the consistency of Bologna is going to end up reducing them further down the table. Yeah, and we got to remember, Sassuolo, too, was playing with their backup in Pagolo. Yeah, he, he actually so, made an error leading to a goal, too. Yeah, he he was bad. And on the other hand, you, t- you look at Bologna's goal, Skrupski, he's been outstanding again uh, in the middle of the season. He was phenomenal this game. He made, I think, two massive saves that were going into the corners. So that's the difference as well, the goalkeeping. Uh, if Skorupski was in the net, maybe it would be a different result, this match. So, Bologna taking a nice 3-0 victory there. They'll be going into the Christmas break very happy. Uh, moving on to the next game, Lazio just dismantling Venezia 3-1. Uh, the home fortress couldn't hold up in this game for Venezia here. Uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic putting on a show. Pedro showing up. Uh, Cherby even getting on the score sheet. This Lazio team just totally took care of business here. Um, Venezia getting a goal through Forte, uh, set up by Aramu, who I think was had an outstanding game for Venezia. He was like the one shine, bright shining star for them. But other than that, this Venezia team looked pretty lackluster against Lazio. What did you guys think? Well, coming off of uh, some decent performances for Venezia, I think they got themselves back in the game, but ultimately it was uh, too much as uh, the first goal from Pedro was a really good run. Um, a Cherry's goal, he says he claimed it, uh, that he claimed it, he said it went <laughs> off him. <laughs> but I mean, whatever, if whatever you want to build your stats up to get on the uh, national team, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm worried for Venezia because uh, now... Uh, is our, uh, they rode their luck a little bit uh, through the first half of the season with some important results, and I don't think they're going to get that in the second half of the season. Well said, Giuliano. I know. I, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that one hundred percent. The thing Venezia has going for them right now is they do have one of the uh, harder defenses to score against, actually, in the league, which is surprising. That's been their strength all season so far. Uh, I know it doesn't look that way against Lazio, but Lazio, if if you look, they're actually one of the most potent offensive teams in Serie A. It only takes them six shots a game to get one goal. Okay, they're the best in the league at that. So we've always been trying to pinpoint 
Lazio? What's their strength? Why are they such a Jacqueline Hyde team? That's the reason. They have one of the best offenses in the team. When they get the shots, when they play against a team where they can get shots off, Lazio are amazing. The problem is they have one of the worst defenses in the league where you only require eight shots to score against them. Hence, Venezia gets a goal in this game out of nowhere. It's just maybe their style of play, the way Lazio, maybe they're a bit too offensive, but I wouldn't feel too hard done by if I'm Venezia in this game because that's what Lazio do. And Venezia aren't really an offensive goal-scoring team. So I think it's just uh, a result to be expected at the end of the day. But Venezia, I'd say they keep up their defensive presence in this league, but they'll be safe. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. So moving on from one Roman team to another, Roma Sampdoria tying 1-1. Very, very disappointing result if you're a Roman fan. Uh, you were on an ultimate high, and then they go and pull this kind of stunt against Sampdoria. <laughs> against a team that hasn't won at the Stadio Olimpico in two and a half years. So, uh, I mean, what can I say? I mean, uh, you know, I'll start off with this. I mean, watching this game, very frustrating. Very, very, very frustrating, especially coming off that Atalanta high. Uh, Tammy Abraham getting opportunities galore and, you know, some two clear-cut chances that should have been goals, and he misses them, and that, that's what the frustrating part is, and that's what that's $40 million right there. That That's where I have such a bone to pick, you know? I mean, you're paying $40 million, those two shots, those two opportunities he had, those have to go in. Those have to be on net. Those have to be – you have to force the goalkeeper into making those saves – Instead, Falcone is watching it. We had a, a backup goalie. Yeah. Fal- a backup goalie, Falcone. Yeah, Falcone is watching it go over the bar or watching it go wide. The other one, too, I mean, like, Mourinho came up, like, he made some great substitutions, I think, in the second half, taking off Tammy. But uh, at the same time, Nicolas Zaniolo walks in, shoots one off Falcone, and ball spills, goes to uh, Felix Afenagian, and he shoots it right at Falcone while he's on the ground. You have the whole net, and you're eight yards out. That should—that's a guaranteed goal. That's got to be a goal a hundred times out of a hundred, and it wasn't. Um, thank God that Eldor Shomorodov came on. Uh, it was great individual brilliance to score his goal, and you could see how happy Jose, Jose Mourinho was. You know, going nuts with the fans when they scored that goal. Um, that's, that's, that shows you what this guy's capable of doing. I mean, I've been talking about it since we signed this guy. He needs to play more. Like he's playing, he's fantastic. But then we give up a boneheaded goal. It was a blunder. Uh, it was all over the place. No, there's, and that comes down to me, that comes down to the defense and the communication with Rui Patricio. There's, there's a very big lack of communication there. Um, and it leads to that garbage goal and Sampdoria walks away with a point from the Olympico. And if you're a Roma fan, this was your opportunity to get within four of the top four and you're still at six now. And, you know, knowing that Juve won their game against Cagliari, it's, it's frustrating because now you got to catch Juve too. So, and, and that's the thing that I was saying before, I think I mentioned it, uh, I think this last podcast or alone before that, you know, with Roma, it's they go through such an enormous uh, milestone of you know getting us uh, getting all that off their back, only to take three steps back again. Yeah. Uh, for the next game, and it's 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 frustrating as a Roma fan because you know you go and you win so heavily against a top four side, yeah. only to and I mean I understand that we didn't lose; it was a tie, but it felt like a loss because. You know, now's your time to take advantage of drop points from teams above you. Yeah. And these are the games that when you look back on, you they're they're milestone games in a negative way for Roma because yeah. this could have been, but it wasn't. That's three games now this season. That's three games. They got one point out of a possible nine points that they should have had four a full nine yeah. points. And it doesn't get any easier if you're a Roma fan because guess what? After the Christmas break, on the on the Thursday, on the sixth, you're playing. You're going to the San Siro and you're playing Milan. And then three days later, your Juve is coming to visit you at the Olimpico. Like what the hell? You had to win this game because now you got to well, come pump, out six. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, this is a huge game, but what? 
But this is expected of Roma. What's if let's be honest with ourselves. What is Roma good at? What are they good at? What's their strength? What's their strength? In the league, when you think of all the teams, what really Roma is not strong offensively. They're not they're not strong in the midfield. They're not strong defensively. What what are they good at? Well, they're good at creating opportunities, but they're terrible at finishing them. Yeah, they're good at creating opportunities, but at the detriment of the defensive side of the game as well. Yeah. You leave Brian Cristante by himself to defend the entire midfield when you pick guys like Jordan Veretout and Mkhitaryan in the midfield. Yeah. You know, like uh, Roma, Roma needs like 30 shots a game to score two goals. It's crazy. So That comes down, they to, gotta, that comes down to the offense, think, Jules. That comes down to the offense. Yeah, yeah 100%. It comes sh- down. No, that's what I'm saying. There's no... The offense is not there. It's not good enough. And the defense as well isn't good enough. Because if Roma was to sit back too, they'd run into the same problems. They'd never score a goal. Uh, they may get a couple uh, clean sheets, but there'll never be a goal score on the team if they were to sit back too much. It's yeah. They need. They definitely need to support Mourinho, maybe get him some new players in the January uh, Mercato. Oh, 100%. And uh, we'll definitely be talking about that a little bit later. But Nick, how disappointed are you with this? <laughs> I'm very disappointed. It all, and, and you know, this has a, this has a sour, this has some uh, memories for me because, as much as Sampdoria hasn't won in Rome in two years, I mean, for those of us that remember when Roma was, the anti Juve, I mean, there was one year, and I remember it. I can't remember which year, but, it was probably the two thousand maybe, twelves or something like that where. Uh, you know, we were in the lead. We had we had first place guaranteed. All we got to do is uh, beat Sampdoria. And I don't know if we lost or they took a point off of us. But they somehow get us when we really need the points. Yeah. And that's just that's just a memory for me. When I when I when the game finished, I'm like, of course, it's Sampdoria. You know, there's a pattern here. When when we needed those points. It they 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 got us again. So, I mean, that was a bit of PTSD for me oh, yeah. because I remember that important game. But uh, yeah, I'm disappointed because I mean, you know, when you when you when you're riding high and you leave all those good emotions out, that you know you 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 beat a team, you got you got something off your shoulders finally, and you did it with a heavy def- a heavy win. And then you go out and do this. It's, it's, uh, and I mean, I think I agree with you, Christian, for $40 million attacker, why isn't he our top scorer on the team? Yeah. Well, that's what I've been saying all season. Like, why do we season. have a midfielder like Pellegrini who's injured and yet people aren't, like, he's been injured for how long and nobody's really overtaken that goal Pelle- lead? Is Pellegrini still the leading goal scorer of the team? Yes. Oh my! God. It's ridiculous. I mean, you have a—he's been out. He's been out injured for God knows how long, and nobody, nobody can overpass him. Like he's—I he, don't think he's not in double digits. So what's no, going on? No, Tammy's close now, but how many more games Tammy's had to play over yeah. Pellegrini? Right. So it's—I mean, yeah. I guess if you get if you whatever like oh like if you break the record in. May. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not good. Jules, anything to say about Sampdoria on this? I think Sampdoria, this is what they do. Sampdoria are pretty much good for a goal almost the game. They're not terrible offensively. They got good players. Caputo, Gabbiadini, Qualiarella can come off the bench. Candreva. There's weapons there. Set pieces, they're strong. Yeah. Sampdoria's weakness is in their defense. If you cannot score more than one goal a game against them, you are going to suffer. And they leak goals, Sampdoria. Yeah. So Roma just shot themselves in the foot with uh, the poor finishing. Yeah. That's that's it. Like you said, you know Sampdoria is going to get the goal. So you have to go into this game knowing you got to get two, three goals. And uh, they couldn't do it. Well, I think it's as simple as that for me. Absolutely. Well, let's, with that being said, let's move on to the next game here. And this one is a doozy. Nick, I'm going to let you take this. Tell me how you're feeling. Hellas Verona tying 1-1. Kevin Lasagna scores a goal. <laughs> I <think laughs> Did I did. say this was going to happen? 
It's Christmas time. Oh man, I, I I'm so relieved. I just uh, I think Cole, I think a gift. I think yeah, that's it. The gift <laughs> yeah, okay. of the Ballon d'Or. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, I guess uh, I guess uh, I I guess this is uh, this was Hellas Verona's comeback, uh, bounce back, and uh, I mean the cool thing about Hellas Verona is that they're 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 getting. Uh, they're getting uh, everybody to chip in on the goals, right? All their offensive line is chipping in on the goals, and uh, you know it's a big win for them. It's a good way to end the the 2021, and uh, you know what a way to do it with uh, yeah, with lasagna in the oven. Giuliano, is this is this a disappointing result for Fiorentina, or more so a disappointing result for Hellas Verona? Are they both happy? What do you think? No, I I think. At the end of the day, they're very similar teams. You know, don't look at the standings. I think the standing doesn't tell the, the true story between these two teams. I think they're very similar on par with each other uh, right now in, in current form. I think both teams probably came both teams came into this uh, game scared because of the potential offensive threat from both teams. Yeah. So I think both teams kind of played with the handbrake on a little bit. Didn't want to overcommit throughout the entire 90 minutes and uh, I think that fear just kind of it led to a 1-1 draw uh, you know there was some big chances made but the risk wasn't being taken from the players no it wasn't and a very rare occurrence in Dusan Vlahovic being kept off the score sheet which is very very rare in, uh, yeah which is huge yeah that was huge huge victory there for Hellas Verona but uh, Abarez got through and Castrovilli and uh, he was the <laughs> lucky guy. Nice goal, who, too, by the way. It was a very nice goal, very nice goal. I, I like Gaetano Casarvilli. I think he's very, I think he's underrated. I don't think he's quite there yet in what he's capable of being, but he's got a lot of potential for a youngster. Yeah, he needs he needs more uh, meat on his bones. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a little too lightweight. He looks like he could <laughs> blow away in the wind. But anyways, on to the next game. Giuliano, yeah. take me through this. Inter, you said it wasn't going to be easy, but they got the job done. Inter one nothing victors over Torino. Yeah, it, take me through it. It was a hard-fought game. Torino played excellent. I wouldn't take anything away from them. I think Jodic could be happy the way he performed against Inter. Uh, Inter was just the better team on the day. Beautiful finish by Dumfries, placement. Uh, he's already shown some good production for, you know, and he was being a, accused of being a pretty bad signing at the beginning of the season, but I think he's shown up his doubters, which I, I like. But Inter, at the end of the day, are just 10 times better defensively and 10 times better offensively than, uh, than Torino. So they just got the job done. It wasn't easy. It's just a different class, Yeah, Inter and Torino. I want to get your thoughts on what you think is going to happen in the new year, uh, just real quickly with Inter. Like, are they just going to keep the train rolling? Because I'll tell you right now, their next, their next, their their January and their February is tough. I mean, they got Bologna right after the break, but then they got Lazio, Juve, Atalanta, and then in February they got AC and Napoli back to back, and then they got Liverpool right after in the round of sixteen. Like. It's a tough schedule for the next two months for Inter. I think it's fine. I think they get through it. Honestly, Atalanta, I'm not worried about. Bologna, I'm not worried about. Yes, they pose an offensive threat, but Inter's defense is arguably the best in the league, uh, along with Napoli. So, honestly, Atalanta, Bologna, I'm not worried about, even with their offensive threat. Uh, Milan and Napoli, it's more so they got to keep up with Inter at the end of the day. What about that? They got to keep up with their pace and their... And they're struggling to do so. What about that Juve game? Does Juve scare you? Juve doesn't scare me. Juve's not pushing for the title. I think that game, it's obviously going to be harder than the first match, but uh, it probably ends in a draw. Is that the game they play before Liverpool? They, that's the game they play right after uh, Atalanta. Right after Atalanta. So a game like that will definitely be tough. I think Inter has the defense. Unless Juve goes signs a big name in the... In the winter market, striker-wise, I think you uh, Inter can handle Juventus's offense. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. It's more so, can they score against Juve's defense? So I think Inter's heads and shoulders above everyone in the league. Uh, oh, that's what we've seen after 19 games. Uh, I think the pressure is going to more so be on Napoli and AC Milan to keep up with them. And I think regardless of how hard that stretch sounds, I think Inter will get through it no problem. 
Um, and we'll see how they do against Liverpool in the Champions League. Yeah, because you got the Champions League in there too. I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident in them, the way they're playing. So Inter just basically exercising their dominance at the top of the table. They're going into the Christmas break really happy, really impressive with how they've been. Now let's move on to another team. Panettone time. It's Panettone time. Well, that's for sure. Panettone time. Panacotta time. Perona <laughs> time for those guys. Uh, they can enjoy for sure. But a team that will not be enjoying Panettone right now is Napoli. They are. They dropped <sighs> a one nothing result to sure. Spezia. Courtesy of a Juan Jesus own goal. Why they signed this guy, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Spezio. There was no Giroud under, underneath him this time. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> to prevent <that. laughs> Seriously. Um, but guys, like Spezia getting a crucial, crucial three points here, whether it's from an own goal or not. And the, get, they get some separation from Genoa from the bottom three, which is huge. But Napoli, guys, like, what are what, what are we thinking here? Pretenders, you can't blame having missing pieces out of the lineup because, in the end of the day, I mean, you're playing Spezia. Like, no offense to Spezia, and all power to them for getting this this result. But I mean, I think this result, as much as it's shocking for Napoli, I think I think we're not. I think we're not seeing how important it was to a team like Spezia to get three points off a team like Napoli because while it hurts Napoli for fighting for top four, it helps Spezia from fighting from relegation. So there's that interesting perspective to look at as well. No, for sure. And I mean, you got to give credit on the Spezia side. You got to give credit to Ivan Provodel, who I believe was our... He was our man of the he was our man of the uh, round, right? So, great performance by uh, Ivan Provadel. Hopefully, Roberto Mancini was watching. That's what that guy's capable of doing. But on the other side, guys, Napoli. I mean, this team is this is the way this team's going to be for the month of January because we have the African Cup of Nations. So you're not going to have Koulibaly and you're not going to have Oziman, and you're going to have to try and navigate through. A month guaranteed on on without those guys. And they've shown that without those guys, they don't have anything. They don't have any answers. There's no real depth. And when you look at what's going to happen in January with these guys, coming out of the break, they got to they go they got to go to uh, Allianz Stadium to play Juve right after the break. So on the 6th of January, 3 days later they got Sampdoria. We all know how Sampdoria is. Then they got Fiorentina. So Napoli could be out of the top four right right in the right out of January, guys. Like if they keep this up. So Yeah, not Napoli. Fabian Ruiz too is missing in the midfield, which is massive. Uh there's too many there's too many big names missing in the starter lineup. And they don't have the depth to compensate for it. And yeah, they're just they're they're too small of a team as well, if you ask me. When they're missing uh, Aussie men and Koulibaly and and uh, Fabian Ruiz, who adds height in the midfield, when you look at the four line, they're all the same. And they're all short dribblers, a bit of speed, and it, it's too one-dimensional. Patania comes on, but he's not good enough. He added size. That's why he took, I think, Dries Martinoff at half for uh, Patania. Um but he, he's he's not good. He's done. Uh, I don't know Spalletti why he would want to hold on to him for. I'd I'd personally sell him and look for someone else in January. But without these starters in the team, they're Napoli's kind of an ordinary team. Yeah, well, you're not going to win a title with Juan Jesus as your center back. No, that's the bottom line. No, <laughs> I mean guys, just to put this in per- perspective, Napoli was leading the charge after the first 10-11 games in Serie A, they are now seven points behind Inter, sitting in third place. Only five points separates them between uh, third place and fifth place Juventus. And they have now lost three of the last four games. It's just atro- it's atrocious right and, now. And the tail off all coincides with Ozyman's injury. That's when it happened. Yeah. The goals have dried up, and 
that's it. They have no, I don't know. There's nothing there. He's he's a such a big part of the team. There's just nothing there. When he's not there, the offense is it's gone. Yeah. It's downgraded so much when he's not there. Yeah. Well, that's Napoli for you. In a nutshell, speaking of a team that took advantage of that situation, AC Milan taking out Empoli in a 4-2 thriller. It was quite a game. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I certainly did. And uh, I think AC Milan guys, I'm going to say it, they were very fortunate to walk away with the three points here. Could have easily ended in a draw, in a 4-4 draw, in my opinion. What did you guys think of this game? Well, you know, I I knew AC Milan was going to have a nice uh, bounce back from uh, when they were going through. I didn't think it was going to be uh, this uh, high scoring. Uh, I had a feeling Empoli's run, I think I mentioned on the podcast before, was going to come to an end. Yep. But it could have easily, yeah, like you said, Christian, it could have easily uh, been uh, a tie or whatnot but uh in the end i think uh ac milan will take it any way they can um but for the most part i don't think uh i don't think i i'm still not impressed by ac milan i don't think uh i don't think i think they're probably also a team that uh uh could drop uh from the top four yeah definitely jules any thoughts i'll, I'll say I'll, i gave purely a lot of shit in the previous podcast uh for the way he chooses his teams and showing loyalty to maybe players that don't deserve to be in the starting lineup you look at what frank Cassie did oh, in one oh game my. as the number 10 oh compared my god to Brahim Diaz. what a game <laughs> and that's all you need to know yeah that's all you need to know he moved frank Cassie forward <laughs> in the lineup and you put brahim diaz on the on the bench and you score yeah. in that position go figure yeah. it goes to show you brahim diaz he's not good enough uh, in the Milan team, he's maybe too young, still doesn't have the experience. I don't know what it is, um, but that that tactic alone pretty much won them the game. Yeah, and uh, and a and a decent free kick from Florenzi. So, <laughs> I was gonna ask you what I can't believe. I I, I think Vicario decided in to make him feel better, but uh, I am I'll. Give them this. I think they were on par with uh, Milan this game. I thought they went toe to toe, but they're missing that those fine little details in that final ends of the pitch that that make the difference for Milan. That's all that Empoli's missing. But they're a solid unit and a solid team. Empoli. It was, it was an impressive. It was an impressive loss. <laughs> it was an impressive loss, and it was a. It was the one bad game this year. Sure, after I praise him as being the best goalkeeper in Serie A, Guglielmo Vicario has his worst game of Serie A. Um, it's okay it happens I mean every goalkeeper goes through their bad game so I know he'll bounce back he's a very smart young wise goalkeeper but you gotta you guys I I don't know what I think of Patrick Coutron anymore this guy I think was just a one hit wonder Um, he's done nothing yeah I think this is as good as it gets yeah he's done nothing and I mean you know who he reminds me of I don't know if you guys even remember this guy remember Federico Maqueda yeah, Federico yes. Maqueda. Reminds me yeah. of him. Because Federico Maqueda is in Timbuktu. I think he's in the Greek League for Panathinaikos. No, he's in Panathinaikos yeah, right now. Uh, top scorer. <laughs> top scorer with what? Three goals? <laughs> the... No, no. It's, uh, he's, a, he's, a main, he's a main component of that team. Okay. Well, what, uh, we need, uh, the Azzurri better call him up. We need him. We need those goals. <laughs> How many goals does he have, Nick? How many goals? Do, the, uh, I'd have to... I'd have to check, but I would say he's approaching. Uh, I would say approaching double digits right now. Holy cow! My God, that oh guy! My God. That guy's been in the wilderness. <laughs> and he's been on. He's been on that team for a bit. Yes, he has. He has been on that team yeah. for quite a bit. But that's who Patrick Kutron reminds me of. Uh, maybe he needs to go. I think uh, Kutron needs to go to the Greek league. Maybe Olympiacos will come call him. You know what, Nick? Maybe your good team there, Ayak, needs a guy like him. Uh, maybe you never know. We had uh, we had Verde for a bit. Oh, that's right. You guys did have Verde for a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Ah, but so basically, guys, that sums up match day nineteen. So we're off for the winter break now for City A and uh, Inter. Of course, sitting pretty at the top of the mountain, forty six points. AC Milan forty two points. Napoli thirty nine points. Atalanta thirty eight points. Juve now starting that climb, 34 points. Roma dropping the 6th, 32 points. Tied with Fiorentina, who are in 7th, with 32 points. Lazio climbing up with 31 points. So it's very tight between 5th and 8th place. And at the bottom, 
Genoa, Cagliari, Salernitana, sitting doomed for Serie B. So that wraps up match day 19, guys. So I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. So in light of the holiday season, I want to talk about 2021. We've had some crazy moments in the world of football. It doesn't have to be Italian football. I know what a lot of you, I know what everybody's going to say, all of our Italian fans are going to say, but I wanted to get your guys, some of you, I want to get your top three moments from 2021, whether it's club or international football. So I want to start with you, Nick. What are your three most memorable moments from 2021? Canada win in Edmonton against Mexico. Well, that's your I first know. one. That's my first wow. one. I kid you not. I kid you not. I look everybody. I mean, for those of us that you know didn't shoot down Canada soccer, and some of us played in the system, others didn't, or stopped at a certain area. I mean, we've had you guys have had uh, Dave Simpson right yep. on the. Uh, I mean, I I like to know what he thinks of the current uh, state of it now. Oh, you'll get a you'll get um, a, you'll get a you'll get some of that. Yeah, I like the I like to know what he thinks about the current state of the team and where the CSA is going. Um, have they finally snapped out of it? I mean, for those those of us that watched the horrible years of you know all we got to do is win, and then we get thrashed eight to one. I mean, like it's 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 a big milestone because I mean I don't think we're getting noticed in the world just yet. But we're definitely getting noticed in this region. A lot of us, uh, a lot of the pundits, I guess you would call them here in uh, the CONCACAF region, are no longer giving CONCACAF two-headed races of U.S. and Mexico. Um, Canada is now being uh, considered for uh, kind of like the the new kid on the block, you know. Um, so that was very that was very nice to see. Uh, Canada beat Mexico in Canada. Um, they also tied in Mexico City, so that's very good. My second one is probably uh, Italy's Zero Triumph. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very happy for that. Uh, uh, anytime Italy wins a major tournament, I think it's uh, good and amazing, although I wouldn't really celebrate if it was a Nations League. I just don't get that tournament. But um, the Euro was a good thing after seeing so many after after being around for you know Euro two thousand and uh, twenty twelve and whatnot, I think it was nice to see. Uh, for the third one, uh, you know, I really don't have um, a third one. I think I think those. I think I just have the two because those are the top two that really stand out for me. To be honest, in terms of uh, of exciting moments in in twenty twenty one, I think twenty twenty one. You know, for what was going around in, in the soccer world health-wise, um, I think I only got the top two right now. Okay, okay. Giuliano. Yeah, so definitely the biggest highlight of the year for me is, was Interlifting the Scudetto. That was massive after 10-plus years. And what can I say? It was it was exciting to finally see the net at Zuri lift it. Um, eventful year. Conte, he goes down in the history books with that. Um, it was a beautiful championship win. I don't have much else to say about it. It was just beautiful. Uh, second one, obviously, was the Euros. Not much to say. It's already been covered by Nick. And the third, I would say, I would I agree with Nick too. The Canada win over Mexico in uh, Edmonton was massive. Those are probably my three highlights of the year so far. All right. All right, that's it. The year's done almost. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's Unless it. Unless something crazy happens in the next couple of days. Nah, nothing. <laughs> nothing crazy's going to happen. So, yeah, I pretty much agree with you guys. So, for me, number one, obviously, was Italy winning the Euro. Number one. I was, yes, I was born in this country, Canada, but I was an Italian born in this country. I'm Italian first, Canadian second. <laughs> the Azzurri mean the world to me, and I love them beyond belief. I mean, watching... I'll tell you right now, there are five greatest days of my life. Obviously, the birth of my two boys, the day I got married, my married love of my life, Italy winning the World Cup, 
and Italy winning the Euro. Those are my, the five best days of my life. I mean, that's how much this team and this squad means to me. It, it's my heart bleeds blue, and it's very, very passionate about those guys. I'm Azzurri first and foremost, always. So that was my that was my moment for 2021. Donnarumma making that save was massive. Um, number two, I have to uh, I have to give that guy. I got to agree with you guys. I'm, the Canada Mexico game that was insane. It was insane. Canada is the most improved men's national team on the planet for the year 2021. That is massive. That is a massive statement. We've gone from 78th place. We are now 40th place in the world. And you know what, Nick? I think the world is starting to notice that Canada could be for real. Um, I'm, well, it just, it's just with the players, too, being overseas. I mean, you have Davies excelling in Bayern. That's the difference. Uh, Jonathan, da- Jonathan David is uh, rumored to be leaving Lil in uh, the January transfer window for something bigger. Um, hey, Sean Buchanan. Milan, maybe. Dejan Buchanan goes to Club Bruges. I mean, overall, it's, I mean, like I said, I mean, we used to look at the lineups or the squads, and it, you always had the classic unattached FC. Yeah. Where, you know, you brought in players and they didn't have a club. to They were clubless. Oh, it's true. It's true. Right? And it's, it's the only thing. It's like, thanks, Canada Soccer. You only took, like, God knows how long to get your shit together. Yeah. And you probably still don't have your shit together. Yeah. If we don't make, if, if for some reason we don't make the World Cup. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. And it's nice to see, um, uh, the 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 media that covers you know uh, you know obviously the the basketball and the hockey and whatnot uh, take a little bit extra few seconds to talk uh, Canada soccer and I mean I used to go to games where you know maybe five thousand turned up and now we're getting sold out stadiums on Ticketmaster in less than eight minutes and. Another thing is that we used to go to home games where it didn't feel like a home game because there was a more there was more away fans and now I mean people are just hopping on the train and enjoying the ride I guess. No, absolutely. I agree with you. Um I think Canada I like I said I said this before. Uh the what the women's national team has done is absolutely remarkable. I mean they've had a fantastic uh 2021 as well. Um, winning gold in Tokyo. And now if the men can get to this World Cup in Qatar, which I think they will, um, Canada soccer is going to take over as the number one sport in Canada. It, it, I mean, it's already the most played sport in the country. And a lot of people don't realize that. They think it's hockey. It's not. Soccer, football, calcio. Football, whatever you want to call it, is the most played sport on the planet. Uh, well, it's the most played sport on the planet, but it's also the most played sport in the country. And uh, as soon as the Canadian men's team's there, that's it. That's the final nail in the coffin to sports like hockey and basketball and golf and tennis and all that, all that stuff. Um, and the, the the amazing part about this is we're not talking about we're people are not just talking about Canada. It's not just a matter of qualifying for Qatar 2022. It's actually making it out of the group stage at Qatar 2022. Yeah. Like that's what this team is capable of doing. And you got to give credit to John Herdman and, and and how he's done with this with this program. Like he's done a he's done a very I have to commend him. He's done a very good job. Uh it's you know, I mean, think it's like Nick said. I mean, let's talk like 5 6 years ago when we had guys like Lars Hirschfeld or if you want to go 10 years ago, guys like Greg Sutton and Ned, who were unattached. like, And then we go from that to guys like Milan, Milan Borjan, who's playing for Red Star. Um, Steven Vittoria, who's playing for Morienza in the in the Portuguese League. And uh, Steven Estacchiao, who's also playing in the... Ustakio, sorry, who's playing in the Portuguese League. Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, Tayshaun Buchanan, you name it. Like These guys are playing for big clubs abroad, which is huge thing for us that's my love for canada so that's my number two moment but number three and nick i'm a little disappointed that you don't have a number three moment 
as a Roma fan because we just witnessed a moment for 2021, and that was last match day 18, Roma beating Atalanta. That is my third best moment in 2021. Uh, Look, if we have, we finally, if that's what, we finally if that's if that's gonna be a top moment, if that's gonna be a top and only moment, I don't want to be a part what of it. What kind of Romanista are you? Well, no, I mean, like, come on, we all grew up with the glory days of Roma. You know, we, we remember, we remember, like, you know, like, we, I want to go back to that. I want, I don't want to be a team. That says, oh, that person that just won the Champions League tw- two times in a row. Yeah, he's, you know, it's Ro- he was he was in Roma, like, you know, whatever. Like, I, I want to start bringing in players that we used to do to compete, not bring and then sell. We? Like, I feel like we're, I feel like we're a selling team. We will get there, Nick. We will get there. Right? We will get there. I mean. You just got to believe and you got to know that that Atalanta game was... A turning point for us. Well, I thought it was a turning point. Yeah, but then you go and you tie Sampdoria. Okay, we're not like talking it's... about that. We're not talking about Sampdoria. The moment was there. Top third. The moment was done. Roma smashing Atalanta 4-1, to one, putting them in their place. That's number three for me for 2021. Well, that sums up today's podcast. We thank you all once again for listening to us. Uh, we always appreciate the support. Like us on Twitter at Radio Tifosi. Follow us on Instagram, Tifosi underscore football underscore radio. Uh, send us an email, tifosifootballradio at gmail.com. And uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. I know we haven't sent posted a video <laughs> recently, but uh, we will get there to that point. Nick, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, guys. I'll try and be a better Romanista than New Year. <laughs> okay. No problem. <laughs> I just... I mean, going from 2000 to 2004 Roma to now is... I know it's a long time ago, but those were the glory days. Well, the glory days are coming back. I can assure I hope you so. That. I hope so. But to all our listeners, enjoy the Christmas break. Buon Natale. Happy New Year. Buon Natale. Ciao, ciao. And until next time, ciao ragazzi. <laughs>